Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to listen to the best music podcast ever? ever. Available on six platforms: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, and more. You're listening to the Win Words Fail Music Speaks podcast with James Cox and Blake Mosley. And welcome back to When Wordsville Music Speaks Podcast. I'm your professional handicapped host, and I know my voice sounds like Scooter from the Muppets. But everybody loves the Muppets, right? Everyone in the whole world loves the Muppets. And if they and, say otherwise, they're lying, and not they, only to you, but to themselves. Right, and they love Disney, too, which we all love Disney. Of course. And the voice you just heard is my co-host, who is the loudest guy in the room only when he's playing the old drums. The podcast internet sensation, and quite possibly the sexiest voice over the internet besides mine, my friend yours, Brodley. <laughs> What's going on, both? Hey, man. Uh, you know, we just said that the, everyone loves the Muppets, but I, and I do love the Muppets. However, when we went to Disney, uh, not this last trip, but the, the trip before last, um, we rode the Muppets 3D it's not even a ride it's more like a just a show i guess right. and it's very dated right yeah. <laughs> very very yeah. dated yeah. so if you're looking if any of you are excuse me i just burped um if anyone is looking for something to do at disney world if you're if you find yourself at disney world and you're in hollywood studios and you think maybe the muppets 3d ride would be fun i'm gonna tell you save yourself the wait time and just move on to something else Plenty really? of Star Wars things to take in. Yeah. I love the Muppets. Again, I love, love the Muppets. I love the Muppets Christmas Carol. I love every other Muppets movie, TV show. The 3D experience was just no fun. I, I know you're a fan of the Muppet Babies, right? Mm. Muppet Babies were my jam, I was talking with someone about... <laughs> I just burnt my tongue on my coffee. Excuse me. Oh. Um, I just... Uh, I, I was talking with someone about that yesterday at church. About like... You know how, like, when you're a kid and you have these memories of movies and TV shows you might have watched, but then you, like, can't remember what they were called or where they came from or you can't find anything on it? The Muppet Babies was something that I remembered as a kid, but I, like, could not find anything about it for the longest time. But I think now you can watch Muppet Babies on Disney+. Plus. Oh, really? Wow. I think so. I got Disney+. I think Plus so. If not, then, oh. then definitely somewhere on the Internet. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, besides that, how was your weekend? It was good. Or week? Yeah. Um, not not really too much going on. Um, had a nice relaxing weekend. Uh, was able to record some uh, drum videos at church after a few yes. uh, flops. <laughs> yeah, we even, we even posted one of those on our Wind Words Hill Instagram account. Yes, thank you. Thank yeah. you for doing that. Um, it's so funny. So I decided to, re- t- there's a guy that I play in the worship band with, uh, his name is Ness. I don't know if he's listening to this or not, but <laughs> he should Ness be. plays <laughs> the keyboards and he should be, if yeah, he's not, then yeah. he's sadly mistaken. Right. There, he plays keyboards and he always goes live on Facebook and then he saves videos from his live footage. And I was like, that makes so much more sense. That way it doesn't take up a lot of space on your phone. So I started doing that. I recorded some stuff at practice the other night, recorded at church yesterday, but um, I had the tripod ready to go for the very first service. Nice. And yes. realized that as soon as I hit start the live thing, you cannot record your phone facing like horizontally. It has to be vertically for some reason to go live on Facebook. Don't know why. Oh, yeah. So yeah, to go, yeah, to go I'm live. I'm already yeah. playing yeah. at this point. I'm already starting in the song. I was like, well, crap, I can't do anything about it. So there's like this weird video that was first posted <laughs> right and then uh so i was like all right cool well now i know for the second service. so got tripod all set up got my phone tilted up or uh, excuse me vertically then i start the song we start getting into it the drum the cage is kind of shaking and then i realized the camera is slowly moving 
and then all of a sudden just falls over. So it shook around too much on that tripod and fell over. It's like, crap. Third time's a charm, right? So we right. have three services at church in the morning. So the next one, I took a bunch of duct tape. I duct taped the crap out of the tripod <laughs> um, to the little stand, had my phone set up uh, vertically, and it actually worked that time. So nice. I was nice. able to do a few videos. Yeah. Now, now I have a question about the the drummers and the, and the videoing and and the whole outlook yeah. of the whole thing. Uh, now, when I was looking on uh, on YouTube, I found out that you can see from the eyes of the drummer because there's videos where I don't know which which drummer it is, but it was like a like a touring musician for Slayer, right? Yeah, and. Uh, and, and and the shots behind the kit and all and all you can hear was was his drums were really well you can hear them you can hear uh, Tom singing or you know the guitar yeah. so I guess I guess they're all piped in from the from the ear from the earpiece you have in your ear or like how does that all work? So I actually just learned about this yesterday as well from the same guy from my buddy Neff and he he sent me something and he was like you can buy this little adapter that you can connect to your phone and also connect to our in-ear monitors. So everybody in the worship team has their own little in-ear monitors, little headsets or whatever that you can change the volume of if I wanted a little bit more bass, but I wanted to cut back on the keyboards a little bit. Right. I can adjust that for my own ears. Oh, okay. Or if I wanted to bring one vocalist vocals way up and bring the other one way down, you can adjust it as is. So this little adapter will actually connect to your in-ear monitors and record the audio that you hear in your in your ears. Now, I've seen drummers do that on like some of those worship drummer pages that I follow. So you can you can hear everything that goes on in these in-ear monitors and turn it into a video because you know due to those worship drummer forums, I kind of learned about that to begin with, but I didn't know what I needed. So he sent me that. So that'll that'll be something that can help with these videos where it's not just drums you can hear the rest of the band as well um but you also hear the click track that's the only part i don't like about it but anyway no biggie we'll figure it out so the i promise the videos will get better for yeah. any of those that watch the videos and then said well crap i don't want to listen to the drums the whole time right i'm working on that <laughs> yeah but but what i'm really asking is all, all the other instruments are piped in through your ear monitor right Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Perfect. Because I was like, well, I, well, it kind of makes sense to me now. Because it's like, okay, well, they got to start some some kind of you know way in. Yeah, you know. we have we have a click track and we have cues uh, for some of the songs. Okay. Um, that'll okay. tell us verse one, chorus, bridge, uh, break it down. You know, build okay. it up, whatever. You know, so you know that's it, it helps. I'm not used to that because where I used to play it. Uh, my, at my old church, we didn't have anything like that. It right. was just, just uh, do it and play. Click track. Yeah. yeah, you just play. Yeah, just sit so down, cool. sit down, brosley, and, and play. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which I guess this is better for you because you know what to play and when to play it, right? Yeah, it's like no questions asked. Right. I, lo I love that. Makes yeah. things a lot easier. Which is good. Which is good. Cool. So on this episode today, um, we are doing a tribute show to one of the late and great guitarists of all time. So on December, on October 6, 2020, last year, we found out that it's Eddie... My, it's my wedding anniversary. Oh, no. Well, yeah, it is. It's kind of like yeah. a bittersweet symphony for you, right? Yeah, it is. It's yeah. a happy day for me, but at the same yeah. time, it was very sad because... Yeah tragically lost someone yeah so we are talking about eddie eddie van halen from the band van halen of course so we are gonna go we're gonna dive deep in his in the uh, uh career and the band career career and uh just uh give you a little back catalog of what what uh van halen did over their uh career since the year of 1972 um wow I didn't so, realize it was that long ago. Yeah, either. it's been a while. Well, I mean, the seventies really kicked because I mean you had these <laughs> really really great bands, but uh, sure. but in the seventies um, is when they were just just forming. Um, it's really um, uh, nineteen seventy since they got their commercial success. Right. But uh, yeah, so let me tell you a little bit about them. 
Uh, Van Halen was American rock group, rock band, perform, performed in uh, Pensadena, California in 74. Credited with restoring hard, restoring hard rock in the forefront of the music scene, Van Halen was known for its energetic live shows and his ferocious talent of his prodigy lead guitarist, Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, because, uh, man, I tell you what, every time I saw him on YouTube or TV, man, Eddie and, and all of the band besides Alex was, was just jumping around and running up and yeah. running down and... You know, so they they were very very energetic. You know, yeah, an incredible live show, I'm sure. Right. And the band was uh, inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007. And I heard it's very hard to get into that uh, prestigious Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, yeah, and they and you there's a lot of people that you would assume would be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they're just not. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with who Eddie Trunk is. Yes, I am. Um, yeah. You know Eddie Trunk. So did you ever watch that metal show? I do. That he had? I still do, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you remember? Uh, I didn't even know it was still around. That's awesome. Now, yeah. he's got a podcast I listen to from time to time. Oh, that's great, yeah. But uh, he's, yeah, Eddie Trunk's pretty cool. But he he hates the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because he is like, there are so many just, groups that are. Yeah, because it's just not Rock and Roll. Right. And he's mad because they'll put like Run DMC in the Rock and Roll Hall, and I mean that's whatever. I think I think you can't limit the rock, the quote unquote Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to just one genre. I mean I understand that because I mean think about it. Would we have some of the music we had had Run DMC and Aerosmith? No, not done the no, Walk never. This Way. You know what I'm saying? So like, there's credit that can be put there, but I understand where he's coming from. Like Kiss, I don't think is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Maybe they are now, but I don't for a long time they weren't. Well, somebody said that they they didn't ever want to be in it because of just that fact. But see, I I can understand the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's a it's a way of life. It's not, you know, the type of music that you play, which sure. is you know understandable. You know. Yeah. So, uh, Eddie uh, Van Halen was uh, uh, you know of course Eddie. Eddie Van Halen as the guitarist. Um, Alex Alex Van Halen with his brother played drums. Uh, David Lee Roth, which is a bad in itself, and as the vocalist. Incredible frontman. Yes, and Michael Anthony as the bassist. Yeah. So uh, the band's self-debut titled album Van Halen uh, reached number 19 on Billboard's pop music chart and would sell over 10 million copies in the U.S. by 1982. The band released four more albums, Eddie Van Halen 2, Women and Children First, Fair Warning, and Diver Down, which is all some great, great, great albums. Yeah. Uh, which of all have been been certified multi-platinum by the... multi-platinum. Uh, so by the, by the early 80s, Van Halen was one of the most successful rock acts of of the time. Uh, the album 1984 was a commercial success uh, with U.S. sales over 10 million copies and four hits. Its lead single, Jump, is the band's only U.S. number one single to date, which is odd because... That is man, odd. I didn't that, know that was the only number one single in the U.S. that they had. No, no, which is odd. That's crazy. So, yeah. Why don't you take, do you take, take the next paragraph? Sir? Sure. Yeah. So in 1985, David Lee Roth left the band to embark on a solo career and was replaced by former Montrose lead singer um, Sammy Hagar, mm. or as commonly referred to, the Van Hagar years. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, with Hagar, the group released four U.S. number one multi-platinum albums over the course of 11 years, and we've briefly talked about it before. You don't see very often where someone like, someone that helped lead the group to such success as a front man um, no. and then suddenly leaves and they have their replacement. They don't, they usually don't do too well after that because people love that initial singer that they had. Right. Van Halen, ACDC, you know, journey. Like these are the rare cases where you have someone take over as front man and they actually did well. Right. Right. But, um, but yeah. Uh, so with Hagar, as we mentioned before, there's uh four, number one uh, multi-platinum albums over the course of 11 years. Mm. Um, that would be 5150 in 1986, OU812 in 1988, For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge in 1991, and Balance in 1995. 
Hagar then left the band in 1996, shortly before the release of the band's first greatest hits collection, called Best Of Volume 1. Former Extreme frontman, everyone remembers Extreme. <laughs> yes, um, great band. Words. <laughs> uh, so former Extreme frontman Gary Sharon replaced Hagar and recorded the commercially unsuccessful album <laughs> of Van Halen 3 with the band in 1998, before parting ways in 1999. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> Um, Van Halen then went on hiatus after, um, or excuse me, until reuniting with Hagar in 2003 for a worldwide tour in 2004. And the double disc greatest hits collection of the best of both worlds came out. Um, so Hagar again left Van Halen in 2005. In 2006, David Lee Roth actually returned, but Anthony was replaced on bass guitar by Wolfgang Van Halen, which is Eddie Van Halen's son. So now it's almost a complete family affair. Right. Um, in 2012, the band released their final studio album, A Different Kind of Truth, which was commercially, excuse me, commercially and critically successful. It was also Van Halen's only album with Roth in 28 years and the only one to feature Wolfgang. And, and that's something that I, I, I don't, well, I mean, when they hired his son, I'm like, well, I don't know about this, but, but actually he did really, really well. Um, and you got to give credit to him because, you know, I guess he just wanted to, to play with his dad, you know. Yeah, I, I've listened to the guy play. I've never seen Van Halen live. I've seen Sammy Hagar right. live. Right, Um, And he did some of his Hagar-era uh, Van Halen songs. Um, But I, I've never seen Van Halen live. Um, But the live footage that I have seen, Wolfgang is a, is a very talented bassist. Yeah. Um, I guess it was just pretty convenient to be like, hey, you know, my kid can play bass. Right. Well, <laughs> and and hop, he, on, hop on in there, son. And, and he didn't look, have to look very far, you know, because, I mean, I mean, if, if you're the son of, of Eddie Van Halen, you're, you're bound to play something, you know. Oh, for real, yeah. So, if you've got Eddie Van Halen as your dad and Alex Van Halen as your uncle, you, you've got you're, to have you're pretty much set. Yeah, somewhere. you're pretty yeah, much you're, set. You're good to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go down to uh, their formation in early history. Uh, this is from 1972 to 1977. Uh, the Van Halen brothers were born in Amsterdam, uh, the Netherlands. Alex Van Halen in 1953 and Eddie in 1955. So two years apart, which is mm -hmm. the same years me and my sister are. Mm. Nice. Sons to a Dutch musician, John Van, Jan Van Halen, and Indonesian-born in, in, Indo uh, Eugenia? Eugenia Van Beers, I guess. Van Beers. Van Beers. Yes. <laughs> what, a, what a last name. I know, right? Beers. Awesome. <laughs> uh, the family moved to Pasadena. Uh, I can't pronounce that. Pasadena. Pasadena, California. Thank you. In 1962. Uh, young, young Edward uh, soon began studying classical piano by ear and became so proficient he won some recitals two, wow. year, two or three years in a row. Uh, despite never mastering the art of sight reading and sheet music. Uh, so that was good because I can't even read my own handwriting sometimes. So, <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> you and me both. Right. Uh, the brothers played began um, playing music together in nineteen in the nineteen sixties. Eddie and Eddie on drums and Alex on guitar, which is odd. Wow. Yeah. That's odd. Yeah. It's, it's flipped it's, around. They switched places. You know, the first mm -hmm. time. However. Wow. While Ed was delivering newspapers to pay off his drum set, Alex would secretly develop a passion of the proficiency at drums. Eventually, wow. off of the first version. Uh, the brother's comp the brotherly competition. Ed Ed took with Alex. Okay, man, you play drums and I play your guitar, and that was that. <laughs> it was you and know cause, because when you always start in with out uh, with the band, uh, one one of you gets forced to play one instrument, but it's yeah. but it's uh, formidable that that Alex secretly played the drums when when Eddie was um delivering papers. You know? That's funny, and you know it's it's cool to see too because a lot of times these brother bands that you hear about um that's how it goes it's like the older brother is going to make the decision about ultimately what happens we learned that whenever we had davy calabrese on right you know he's yeah. the youngest of the brothers yeah. and they were just like look we're we're going to start a band and you're going to play the drums and he's like all okay. right <laughs> yeah which 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 worked out because he's a bad drummer 
dude. Yes, Calvary's amazing. And I do watch his um, Instagram lives constantly, so be sure to check, check oh, that man, out. He's hilarious. Yeah, he is. Davy is Davy is so funny. Yeah. Um. So the Van Halen brothers formed their very first band, the Broken Combs, in 1964. As they gained popularity playing backyard parties and local high school functions, they changed their name first to the Trojan Rubber Company. There <laughs> and you go. In 1972, they changed it to Genesis. Oh. Um, later, still to uh, which is odd because that's you know yeah. uh, Phil Collins' band. Yeah. Um, later, they uh, they changed it to Mammoth when they discovered Genesis. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> used by a major label British band that we all know. Right. Thank you, Phil. And that Collins. we all love. Yeah. And we all love. Um, they rented a sound system from Indiana-born Pasadena transplant David Re- David Lee Roth uh, for ten dollars a night. Mm. The loquacious, worldly, energetic, energetic son of a local op- ophthalmologist. Hmm. I forgot what that is. Yeah. Uh, Roth uh, fronted a local R&B-influenced rock band, uh, the Red Ball Jets. Roth's uncle Manny owned uh, New York City's Bleecker, uh, Bleecker Street Cafe um, until 1968. Uh, partly to save money, they now invited uh, Roth to join as their lead vocalist, despite previous unconvincing auditions. So ultimately, Roth's charismatic Jim Dandy approach would be both an artistic foil to Ed's circumspect uh, guitar prodigy talents, as well as allowing Ed to focus his energies on song composition. Mm. By 1974, Roth had been in the band for about a year when they decided to replace the ambient stone, uh, ambivalent Stone, who was unsure about a career in music. Michael Anthony Sobolowski, um, uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure I butchered that, um, a Pasadena hmm. college music classmate of Ed's um, after an all-night jam session. So they got together, they jammed all night, and it was just like... It worked. The, you know, the, just like the, uh, the, the, the light shone uh, sh- down from heaven, yeah. and it was like, you have to play bass. Right. <laughs> um, not only that, because he's an, amazing, he's an amazing singer, too. So Mike had sang and played bass in a number of less successful um, Arcadia backyard party bands, including Snake... Um, although he had some reticence, uh, his own snake bandmate in, in bandmates encouraged him to seize this golden opportunity. Hey, dude, you got to take this. Right. That's essentially what they told him. Right. It's like, you do this or, you know, you're going to regret it for the... You're an idiot. Remainder <laughs> for your life. <laughs> essentially, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, now we're going to talk about the 1978 to 1985 commercial success. They finally made it. Mm. Right. They did it, man. So, upon its release, Van Halen, the first album, reached number 19 on the Billboard's music music charts. One of rock's most commercially successful debuts. It was highly regarded as both as a heavy metal album and a hard rock album, which is hard because you either lean one way or the other. You know, it's not both right. ways. So, that's, that's very awesome that they pulled that off. The album yep. included songs now regarding as Ben Halen's classic, like Running with the Devil. Man, that's my oh, favorite yeah. song up that from the Lee Roth era, man. I mean, that's oh, yeah. just classic to this day, and it still is. And the other, yeah. and the other, uh, other one, which is the guitar solo Eruption, which is played by everybody today. Dude, and um, here's the thing. So, as you know, Eruption starts the album, and then their cover of. Uh, you really got me. Uh, starts right after that, so it's a yeah. sweet solo, and then all of a sudden, smooth transition to yeah. Very. So anytime I'm like listening to the radio and I hear them play, um, I hear them play. You really got me. Yeah. And they don't play eruption before it. You're like, what? I'm disappointed. It's kind of like a queen. I'm very disappointed. It's kind of like yeah, that queen song like, with yeah. Yeah, the, yeah um, it's, it's we like were rocky. You, you can't just listen to yeah you can't yeah. just listen to we are the champions you have to listen to we will rock you first right and then let that transition it you just cannot listen to one without the other right so in eruption um which showcased eddie's use of the technique known as finger tapping which is really really used well by some of the amazing guitarists today yeah the band toured for nine months uh opening for black sabbath and establishing a reputation for their performances. Man, opening for Black Sabbath back then was tr- tremendous, you know. For real. The band's chemistry was on 
Eddie Van Halen's guitar technique as well as David Ross' charisma, which is true. Mm. Yes. Uh, the band returned to the studio for two weeks in late 1978 to record Van Halen 2, a, a, a 1979-LP similar to their style of their uh, previous debut record. Uh, this record yielded the band's first hit single, Dance the Nine the Way, which peaked at 15 on Billboard's Hot 100, which is great because nice. that's a fantastic song too. Right. So over the next four years, the band toured nonstop, never taking more than two weeks to record an album. Mm. Their Women and Children First uh, Come First album uh, was released in 1980 and further cemented Van Halen's platinum-selling status to Warner Brothers. It yielded two hit singles and the Cradle Rock and Everybody Wants Some. So for the first time, an amplified Rolitzer electric uh, piano was used to complement Ed's guitar. In 1981, during the recording of the Fair Warning album, artistic tensions wrote... Uh, I need to mention something real quick, too. Yeah. So, Jump, right? It's like, it's the only number one hit single that they had. Yeah. Um, we haven't... I don't think we've... we've we haven't gotten there yet. Um, but when they released... When they released Jump, just a little side note, Eddie Van Halen was also, as we've talked before, he was great at piano. Right. That's the that's the core of the whole song in Jump is that the synth. Dun, dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun. And he mostly plays that. For somebody that is a world-renowned guitarist, their number one hit, he hardly played any guitar on. I, just, I just find that right. it's so interesting. Yeah. Um, and he can reach it. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, he just did that by himself. Yeah, for real. Oh, yeah. Exactly. He plays all by ear. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in, again, in 1981, during the recording of their Fair Warning album, artistic tensions rose. Uh, Eddie's desire for darker, more complex songs in minor keys was at odds with Ross' pop tastes um, and style. I thought it said Pop-Tarts. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's good, though. <laughs> right. They were at odds with his Pop-Tarts. Nonetheless, Roth and veteran Warner Brothers rock producer Ted Templeman um, uh, acquisited <laughs> uh, to Eddie's acquisited at whatever. What, yeah, um, yeah. They gave in to Eddie's wishes right. uh, on this album. Doug Messenger recalls how Ed and then-engineer Don Landy recorded <laughs> the Unchained solo hours uh, after Ted stormed out of the studio. This darker album only reached platinum status um, after $250,000 of uh, payola, uh, pushed it up nationwide from 400,000 copies. Mm, man, that's yeah. something to, yeah. yeah. But uh, it, Everybody Wants Them was like my one of my go-to songs from Van Halen. You know, that's a classic yeah. too. Yeah. But with every band uh, got successful, there have perhaps been tensions in the band. Uh oh, right? Every every single every single band you can find some type of conflict, I guarantee it. That's right. That's right. So uh Roth believed Eddie had too much control over of the overall creative process in this studio. Well, I mean, it's his name in the band, so yeah. <laughs> For right. real. Come on, it's, come on, not David. Not only not only his, it's also his brother's last <laughs> Right. Name. Like, yeah. Van Halen Eddie Van yeah. control there. Right. So <laughs> it turns out that Partly uh, why Eddie built it, uh, and, yeah, and built built the studio. Uh, he hated the way previous Van Halen producer Ted Templeman made made the record. Templeman loved having the the band do cover songs, and Eddie wanted to make his own music. Uh, the producer turned off turned turned a beloved riff of Eddie Eddie's to cover. Uh, the street, the, the the song "Dancing in the Street," which was a uh, he he did that with with David Bowie, right? Yeah, that but, was that yeah. was done with David Bowie. Yeah, it's yeah. very odd. The music video is very strange. Yeah, right. Almost um, uncomfortable. Right. So, <laughs> so he no longer wanted to be known for right. also R.I.P. for David Bowie. Oh yeah, yeah, tremendous, tremendous it's like, guy. It's been yeah. five years. Yeah, it was five years. Yeah. That's crazy, man. He has no longer wanted to be known for singles uh, or other people's hits, which featured uh, on the early Van Halen records. Uh, so although Templeton would uh, still help him in the making of eighteen of 1984, it was clearly he was he wanted operated he 
it was clear that he was operating in Eddie's house now, almost literally since the man since <laughs> since the man um, made this made his home home like a studio. Yeah, he just decided to work in there. So yeah, uh, you've really got no creative control over anything if you're in the man's house, right? Well, he's calling the shots. Well, see, that's that's the uh, that's the genesis of this uh, of of most or of like ninety four percent of the bands is creative dif- differences, you know. Yeah, because I think that that uh, that David Lee Roth wanted to expand the, their catalog and not do any more um, covers, which which makes sense. Yeah, you know. Sure. But oh, then yeah, again, but then again, all of Van Halen's cover songs were great. They were just great. You yeah, know? and it's it's tricky, dude, because you you have there's bands like that now. Um, I would say that the uh, a modern band that I tend to like more of their covers than their originals would be Four Years Strong. Um, but they're just so good at doing covers. It's almost like I don't want them to do anything original because they're just not as good. Right. Uh, yeah. But Van Halen faced that because they were they were really good at covering songs and making it their own. But David Lee Roth just he was. I, I mean, I understand that you don't want to be known as the band that couldn't write of any of your own songs. The only success you had was because you could play another song pretty good. That someone else wrote. You right. want to be known for I wrote this song. This is my baby. Right. I get right. that. Yeah. So um, during this stint, uh, they released six albums, which is Van Halen in nineteen seventy-eight, Van Halen two, nineteen seventy-nine, Women and Children first, nineteen eighty, the year I was born, uh, Fair right. Warning, nineteen eighty-one, Diver Down, eighty-two and eighty-four and eighty-four. Now here's a fun fact that I don't think you know. Um, uh, you know uh, the uh, the drummer for Slipknot, Joey Jordison, right? Yes. His 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 band. He created a band called Wednesday Thirteen, and I think one right. of the albums was a pun off of their off of the uh, uh, nineteen eighty album Women and Children First because he named this album Women and Children Last. So, ah, yeah. Oh, so I that's a that's a fun fact. Yeah, you see, yeah, yeah. So that's a little fun fact. But nice. hey, uh, are are you a Sammy Hagar era fan or or they believe oh, Roth? One? I, I don't know. This is I'm so torn because there's mm. there's so many David Lee Roth songs that I love. Right. But then there are so many Van Hagar songs that I love, and I would say that if I had to say if I had to pick my favorite Van Halen song mm-hmm. of their whole career, it would have to be Higher, um, which was Van Hagar. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you why I love that yeah. song. It's because I loved the Power Rangers when I was a kid. Right. And the end of the Power Rangers movie, they play that song. They've defeated the villain. Everyone's celebrating the, the curse and the... the, the um, curse was lifted. The curse was lifted. Their parents were no longer hypnotized by the purple ooze man. Right. Um, the Power Rangers have saved the day, and they're <laughs> watching the fireworks go off, and it's, and it's just like, oh, my God, this song is great. That's and okay. I, so I would have to – that's a good visual for you. Right? Yeah, right. Um, Thank you for that. little, like, six, awesome. six-year-old Blake. Like, oh, yeah. I love you for that, yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so I – love, I love David Lee Roth, and I love Hot for Teacher, and as a drummer – you got to you have to love Hopper Teacher just because it was one of the earlier songs that you remember hearing double bass for the first time. Right. And uh is incredible. Yeah. I don't know, I'm torn. Okay, so here's here's my thoughts, okay. If we ever have David Lee Roth on this podcast, which I hope so, mm. I will mm. apologize profusely for the for this next statement I'm gonna say here. Okay. <laughs> so David Lee Roth is an amazing, amazing musician, right? Yeah. He can wow the crowd. He can, you know, jump real high, you know, do all these fancy moves on stage. But yeah. I think that Sammy Hagar is the better singer. I'm sorry, David, but yeah, it's, it's I agree. man, there's something about Sammy's voice that just, just does it, man. I don't know what it is, you know? It's it's raspy. It's, yeah. Uh, it, but it's clear at the same time. Yeah. And now, it's soothing, David, too. You David know, it's not very loud. It's not very soft, you know? Yeah. And 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 I, I'll tell you this: I love listening to the really old Van Halen stuff with David Lee Roth and like the squeals he would kind of do in there. Right. Um, those are great. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just that's hard to mimic. It's that's a that's a very unique thing. But I think I preferred Sammy Hagar's voice. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
And as far as solo careers go, I think Sammy Hagar had a more successful solo career than David Lee Roth did. Now, David Lee Roth had some good ones. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you this. So there used to be a music store here in town called Leonard's Music, and they used to do uh, uh, like little drum seminars or whatever and little showcases, and, and uh, they had local drummers that participated in it or whatever. And then they had a feature drummer. Well, the feature drummer they had one the the one time I went to that was Greg Bissonette, who played drums for David Lee Roth during his solo years. What? Nice. Um, so that was cool. So yeah. the drummer for David Lee Roth was in Sumter, South Carolina, doing a drum clinic uh, several years ago. I actually won a autographed uh, pair of sticks from him that I entered a raffle yeah. um, whenever I got there. So that was pretty cool. Do you see all of them? Yeah, I still have them nice. somewhere at my mom's house. Nice. Put up. Yeah, I've got a collection of drumsticks that I've accumulated over the years, and I'm going to display them one day. I, they're just put up with the rest of my sticks for now until I can put them up. There you go. So yeah. I so I had no idea about this, but Eddie invited Patty Smith of Scandal to replace Ooh. Roth, but she declined. Can you imagine uh, the, 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 I mean, Patty Smith is an awesome singer. Scandal is amazing, you know, the warrior. Yeah. Man, that's, man, you know. Yeah. Eddie was then introduced to Sammy Hagar via their mutual Ferrari mechanic. I guess they drove in style, right? You know, oh, getting yeah, out his money. Hagar and is all about a Ferrari. He's all about Cabo Wabo and everything. Yeah. Yeah. He's like he's like if Jimmy Buffett was in a hair metal band. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, Hagar was a former frontman for the hard rock group Montrose, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, now a solo artist coming off of a very successful year, his hit single "I Can't Drive" fifty five, right? Yeah, it came out in eighty four. Uh, <laughs> from the album, I can just hear it now. I, I can hear all the people. Hell yeah! Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, that was off of the album "VOA," uh, produced by Templeman, which also worked with Van Halen. Uh, who has produced Montrose's uh, first album, Montrose, as well as yeah, as well as all of Van Halen's albums up to the point, like I just said, right? Yeah. Uh, Hagar agreed to sing as well as play rhythm guitar. I guess to help help um wow. help Mr. Eddie out, you know. I guess when you have two two guitars, you have a have a more wider uh vision of what music would be, you know, or or is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in '86, Van Halen's <laughs> album. Uh, I'm sorry. I just read. I just read your note that you had in here. We skipped over. Daryl Hall was also offered to do lead vocals oh, yeah. in Van Halen, but he declined it as well. From Hall and Oates, right? <laughs> yeah. From Hall and Oates. Was Can he, you imagine if Daryl Hall was Daryl Hall? Was that he? Do, so okay. So I'm sorry. Which Which one can? Because uh, it was one where. One was less uh, was a was their hall more 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 famous than than Oates. Or? Yeah, so Daryl Hall was the was the lead singer. Oates was the guy with the the black Jerry curl and the yeah okay yeah yeah. So yeah, Daryl Hall was the was the center. See, I don't know if you know focus Hall, of that. I don't know <laughs> what Eddie. Come on, man, Daryl Hall. Come on, that would be Whoa, great though. You know, comes. just as long as like <laughs> we got one album, man, that would have been great. You know. Private but we got Trone. We'll talk about him in a minute. <laughs> anyway, yeah, go on. <laughs> uh, the 1986 Van Halen album "5150" was a huge Woo! hit, which is my favorite so album of all Van Halen albums. Yeah. Right? It was a huge hit, becoming the band's first number one album on the Billboard charts. Uh, driven by the keyboard dominant uh, singles "Why Can't These Be Love," number three in the U.S. "Dreams" and "Love Walks In." Yes. I said higher. It's it's not higher. It's dreams. Dreams. Okay. I don't know what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah, dreams is the name of that. Not higher. Higher is what they sing. Higher is what they say. The yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. That's which right. is okay. Blood uh, walks in, which is the top thirty in the U.S. charts. Uh, to further introduce the new era of the band, the new Van Halen logo was put on the cover, which is mm-hmm. awesome because it has a little. I think it had the world around it, right? And it had the band. Like yeah. 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 Uh, the new logo retained elements of the original, but now it, but now the lines extending from either side of the VH wrapped around 
and formed a ring. Okay, yeah, so I was kind of right. Yeah. Uh, so following the release of the 5150 album, the 5150 tour uh, was launched to support across North America. Uh, the footage was released on VHS and DVD as Life Without a Net, Live Without a Net, which is the yeah. DVD of the, of the title. Um, the band minimized the use of pre-Hager uh, Van Halen songs in the set, which is, I guess they played some of Hager's stuff, you know? Yeah. So that, that'd be cool to, to hear Van Halen play I Can't Drive 55. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, officer, I can't drive 55. That's right, I can I drive 55, 80 or something. how many times people who have been pulled over Oh God! At that time that the song came out, probably yeah. told a police officer that I'm sorry, officer, I I can't drive 55. Right. <laughs> and they're like, okay. Yeah, yeah well, funny, you're still going to jail, buddy. Right. So funny. Okay. So funny, I forgot to laugh. Ha ha ha. <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, they released four albums with Hagar in this stint. Um, and those albums are 5150 and 86, O U 812 and 88. For unlawful carnal knowledge, ninety one, which has one of the best songs I've ever heard, called "Pound Cake," I think it's on it. And "Balance" ninety five. Uh, "Balance" was a fantastic album, um, in so many ways because "Balance" was uh, played over and over and over again. Is that the one that had "Right Now" on it? Right now, that's a good song. I think I so. I'm looking at the I'm I'm looking at the track listing and I don't see it on here. Um, but I think or that so. might have been yeah. unlawful carnal knowledge. Then. Maybe I don't know. That's a great song. So, so if Hagar, if yeah. anybody knows, I'm, I'm probably my, my friend Arts yelling at us right now. It's it's this album, man. It's this album. <laughs> it's this album, you idiot. So you idiot, you moron. You don't know your Bahamian <laughs> knowledge. Come on, bro. So, Halen, you dummy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, we're sorry, y'all. You so sorry, everybody. If anyone uh, gives us a, a review on on this episode, please tell us <laughs> which one. Negative flip. five star. Negative, review, neg yeah, negative forty two stars for not knowing your knowledge, dude. <laughs> so, I'm okay, sorry. Right. So I'm going to let you explain the 1996 to 99 era, yeah. which is the Gary Sharon era this is a dark period for van halen oh my god uh, this is the gary sharon era so uh, vocalist gary sharon uh joined the band briefly in the night in the late 1990s van halen's next lead singer gary sharon uh was a frontman of the of the then defunct boston-based band extreme again more than words that's the band right uh, a group which had enjoyed some uh popular success in the early 90s because of that song um, the result was the album Van Halen 3. Many songs were longer and more experimental than Van Halen's earlier work. Uh, it was a notable contrast from their previous material, which focused on, uh, which more focused on ballads uh, than traditional rock songs like uh, How Many Say I with Eddie on the vocals. Um, uh, sales were poor by the band's standards, only reaching a gold certification, despite the album peaking at number four in the U.S. charts. However, Van Halen 3 did produce the hit Without You and another album track, Fire in the Hole, which appeared on Lethal Weapon 4. All right. uh, the album was followed by a tour. Um, the 3 tour saw Van Halen playing in new countries, uh, including their first ever visits to Australia and New Zealand. That's shocking. That's for, it's shocking that it took the, that whole era and waiting until the late 90s before they ever entered Australia. Right. Um, but... Without You uh, acquired number one, the number one place on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Charts in 1998, uh, the 13th of their songs to do so, and thus making them the band with the most mainstream rock number one hits. Um, shortly afterwards, Van Halen returned to the studio, and in early 1999, they started work on a new album. Working titles of songs included Left for Dead, River Wide, Say Uncle, You Wear It Well, More Than Yesterday, Look at him. He's trying to get that bit. more than words. Right, more yeah. yeah. I see what you're doing there, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't just... miss you much. Yeah. Uh, love divine. And from here, where do we go? The project was never released, with Sharon leaving the band uh, amicably in, in November of 1999. Citing musical differences, it is likely Three's poor sales uh, and critical, critical reception had a big impact. 
none of the material from this from these sessions has ever been released and in fact the band released no new material at all until three new songs were included on the 2004 best of both worlds compilation mm. lyrics that sharon had felt uh, excuse me had written for the van halen three follow-up would be used in his next project tribe of judah so right. touring with sharon had proven disappointing in terms of attendance obviously because people either want to see david lee roth or, or Hagar, Van Hay, yeah. uh, or Eddie Van, or excuse me, it's the same thing. Van Hagar, Hagar. yeah, <laughs> Eddie Van Hagar, yeah. <laughs> uh, Eddie later <laughs> admitted that the powers that be—he's talking about Warner Brothers—had uh, yeah. forced his hand in parting with Sharon. Unlike the previous two singers, there was reportedly no bad blood behind the breakup, and Sharon remained in contact and on good terms with Van Halen. As when Hagar left, speculation resumed um, on a Roth reunion. Mm. Okay, so I do. I I have one thing to say about this. Uh, so I don't know if you remember watching MTV, um, the award show for MTV, but uh, Van Halen came out and and uh, awarded the the uh, their award for um to to Beck, you know, and Roster said you know and it, he just ignored Beck and just went off in the grade that didn't like so so many years so many years. Uh, the, all four of us were is up here on stage, right? Do you yeah. remember that? I don't think or, I remember or, that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that okay, so that happened. So, so a, a couple of months before that, and before they got Roth back, there was a there was a a a potential singer in the in the waiting called his name was Mitch Malloy. Uh, he was hired. Um, to go to go out with with the the band presenting to presenting the the award to Beck, but they didn't call him. So um, and and next thing he saw was was Roth on stage with with Van Halen. So they hired him, didn't tell him that Roth was coming back though, and so I guess wow you know. But uh, if anybody who wants to see that, it's uh, Mitch Malloy Van Halen's Lost Boy on YouTube. It's fantastic. Wow. So. But um, uh, Sharon released one album called "Obviously Van Halen 3 in '98. So, well, I I think Sharon did a very 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 good job singing for the band. Yeah, he has an incredible voice, you know. Sure, so, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, 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 the last thing we're going to talk about is the reformation of Van Halen. Yeah. Um, which happened in 2009. Um, mm-hmm. So, with the interview with Guitar World, World posted in, in November 12, 2008, about the uh, about the making of the upcoming new EVH Wolfgang guitar uh, from Fender, Eddie said in in regard to new Van Halen music, "I'll be me. I'll be making music to the day I die. I've got. Wow. I've got." I've done all kinds of stuff, and more is coming. I can't exactly tell you when right now. Uh, Wolfgang, Wolfgang, his son, is in the 12th grade and needs to graduate first before we get him in. Uh, then I'm getting married in June, and we'll pick up at the, uh, we'll pick up after that. Yeah. Uh, Eddie uh, underwent surgery on his left hand in 2009, following some treatment uh, for arthritis. As he felt pain in his fingers during the 2000 tour, and that's very um, uh, nerve-wracking for guitarists, especially you know your left sure. hand because you're fretboard, you know. Yeah. Right. So, in the interview with Glide magazine, appearing in two in May 2010 issue, Dweezil Zappa commented on uh, that Eddie had played with him new stuff for his record, and it was not clear from the interview if the music was intended for a new re- new record. Yeah. Um, so Van Halen enter, entered the studio, Henson Studio C, with producer John Shanks um, uh, on January 17th, 2011. Uh, Shanks posted on his Twitter account that he was in the studio with the band, posted a picture of Eddie, Eddie's signature amps. Um, wow. Uh, the new the new album would be the first full length album since Eddie's uh, since Van Halen three, uh, and the first new music from the band since since the three new songs from the Best of Both Worlds comp- compilation. Uh, 
so I found the album kind of okay. I wasn't really a big fan of that album, um, but everybody loved it, and and everybody who saw him live, um, including my yeah. friend Art, uh, was a big fan. They, man, he, um, back in 2019, Art said that he he didn't miss a beat. You know, he just stayed true to. Wow. Uh, his uh, his um, uh, you know, ways of playing guitar. You know, so yeah. Uh, on September 30th, 2019, while promoting an upcoming uh, 2020 solo concert, Roth expressed uncertainties towards the band's future training. I think Van Halen is finished. However, Hagar in, indicated on a May 2020 interview that he believed otherwise, claiming until Ed or Van Halen die, dies, they're not done, you know. Mm-hmm. He expressed out a he hoped that the band could reunite with himself and Anthony, saying, uh, "My dream, my dream tour is a Sam and Dave tour with, with Ed and Al and Mike, which is great." Wow. It, I mean, if you're gonna, if, I mean, if you're gonna tour, you know, one last tour, you should blow it out with all of Just members. go with everybody. Yeah. yeah, everybody has contributed over the years. Go all out. Bring everybody on board. Right. And make it make it a thing. Right, but uh, but like I said before, on October sixth, twenty twenty, um, uh, Eddie Van Halen died. Um, I I don't think that, I don't know what uh, what he died. Oh, he died of uh, cancer. cancer, right? Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was battling cancer for a long time. Okay. Um, and, and uh, finally just consumed him. Right, and uh, they, I I didn't know this either, but they had a original basis. His name is Mark Stone. Oh wow! I didn't and know uh, and Mark Stone died ten days before Andy died. Jeez. So yeah, that's pretty rough, you know. So yeah, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, but uh, that's that's the history of Van Halen. Uh, please let us know what 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 album is right now off of. Um, and don't give us too bad of a review. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, please. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> please, pretty please. Yeah, but uh, thank you for listening to, the, to episode twenty-nine, Van Halen episode. Uh, we hope to yeah. do more of about on these individual bands. Please let us know what bands would you like for us to talk about in the future, and uh, like you know, like um, Blake and I want you to know that you can reach us on anywhere you get podcasts from, um, and email us at one word spell podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, talk to us. We'll talk to you back and Facebook and Twitter and all of the other good stuff. That's right. So until then, uh, see ya. Bye. You've been listening to the When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast. Stay tuned for more. And thank you for listening.